And Jesus said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You know, Jesus was here for 33 years, and he accomplished everything that he had come for. And what, how was he able to do that? How was he able to say, It is finished? It's such a young age. And when we look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the time that we live and the time that he lived is not so much different. In the face of power and violence and injustice, Jesus renounced power and yet became the most powerful. He broke the power of violence with nonviolence and suffered injustice to give justice to all. When you say it is finished, it also means that by his stripes we are healed. When prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 53, that we are bruised. He was bruised for our transgressions. For the, he was chastised for our peace. And that peace you heard in that video. That how God can call out of darkness. Bring us into his marvelous light. Jesus came in this dark world. Because he knows that we are struggling. That we are facing violence. We are facing injustice. We are facing oppressive power. And so when he said it is finished. He's talking about that he suffered powerlessness. To give power to the powerless. Jesus suffered violence to break the power of violence. And Jesus suffered the ultimate act of injustice for the ultimate justice. And he did this by carrying his cross. And as we look at these three main points today, I would like us to lead to what kind of crosses we need to carry. Or are you carrying your own crosses in your life? Let us go and follow the Lord Jesus Christ at John 19. He has been arrested at the garden. And now he is in the court of Pilate. The seat of judgment. The praetorium. The Roman headquarters in Jerusalem. And Jesus is there. He has been tortured. And you can see the tools that they have used. You know, it's made of a leather string knotted with metals. And sometimes there is a scorpion hook. And you use that and the skins are easily ripped apart. There is bloody laceration of the skin. People are, when they have been beaten and tortured, they are half dead already before they are crucified. This has happened. And the soldiers have taken a twisted crown of thorn and placed him on his head. And they took a purple robe and put on him and mocked and said, Hail the king of the Jews. Not only that, they used their hand to strike him and beat him. And he's standing there at the court in front of Pilate. And Pilate hoping that all this 
terrible thing, brutal things that Christ has experienced, hoping that it will appease the people, he brought out the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Behold the man. I see no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And the people were not having it. They say, Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate looking at what was happening in Jerusalem because the whole world has come to Jerusalem and multitudes of people were there and they were crying one voice to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. He looked at Jesus and said, Where are you from? He knew that Jesus was from Galilee. But he was asking a different question here. Looking at what was happening, he didn't really know who Jesus was and what was happening. But Jesus had come to renounce his power and yet become the most powerful. Because when this question was asked, when this question was asked, where are you from? This took me back to what St. Augustine, the doctor of the church, wrote about the two cities. One is the city of God, and one is the city of man. The city of God is ruled by God's love, and the city of man ruled by self-love. Here are two men facing each other from two different kingdoms, from two different kingdoms, and two different power. Christ was representing the city of the kingdom of God, where genuine fellowship and mutual, mutual giving and receiving was happening. On the other side, Pilate was standing, representing the city of man of self-love, which engenders war, strife, and domination by power. So he said, where are you from? Where are you from? It is good to know where we come from and what we are called to do. Because if we don't know that, we wouldn't be able to say, it is finished. Christ was able to say, it is finished because of his conviction. Conviction of his mission. As he was standing there in front of Pilate, he was convicted. He had come with the conviction to die for the people, to save the people, to give new life to people. And as they were facing each other, Pilate said to him, Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. He knew that his power comes from God. And he had stood there powerlessly to give us power. To renounce his power so we can have victory over anxiety. Victory over depression. Victory over our struggle in our daily lives. That he had renounced his power to empower us. We struggle 
today. With our own lives, not able to overcome the darkness and the demons that we fight. People are afraid, fearful. We see violence everywhere. We just saw what happened yesterday all over in the country. People marching afraid of their lives. Marching for life. Our youth pastor asks our kids, how many of you are afraid to go to school? Fearful of your life. And most, all of them raise their hand that they are afraid. There has been so much violence even just in these two years. So much violence. And Christ came as an antidote, an answer to violence by being non-violent, by renouncing power. You know, one of the things that if we grow up in a culture of power, And if we are power focused, you will always be looking for power. Even if you have become Christian, you will still be looking for power. Your life will not change. Your focus will not change. The only thing that will change is where you get the power, the source of the power. When you are with the world, you get the power from the world. But when you become a Christian, you're still looking for power and the source that comes from God. But when your focus change from focusing on power and looking at meaning of life and deeper meaning of life, then there will be transformation. When you're able to shift your focus or attaining and acquiring power in your life, and when you're able to shift to meaningful purpose and deeper meaning in your life, then there will be transformation. There will be transformation. Because Jesus renounced power. He suffered powerlessness to give power to the powerless. You know, the world is looking for people not with power. The world is looking for people with character. And your character, your conviction is more important than your charisma. People are looking at you. People are looking at how you lead your life. That at the end of, at the end of your life, you can say it is finished. That people that look at your character, the content of your character, and they are inspired by who you are. They are inspired by how you lead your life. Conviction. Your conviction is contagious. Your conviction is inspiring. And Jesus has such 
powerful conviction, unflinching, unchanging conviction of his calling that he died for us. He gave his life for us. One of the things that we want to look as you read the scripture in John 19, as Christ was crucified, carrying his own cross, and as he was there on the cross, this is one thing he said. He looked down, he said, and he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Behold your mother. Jesus is dying on the cross, and when he looked down, he can see the women standing there. Mary, and Mary the sister, and Mary Magdalene. They were standing there, looking up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord experiencing excruciating pain and all the suffering that she's going through, he's going through. He looked down at the disciple and said, Behold your mother. He has such compassion, such compassion for others. Compassion for others. And we talked about this. Uh, in our Thursday prayer meeting and one of our lady brought up that while Jesus was carrying his cross and going up uh, to Golgotha, the place of the skull, he can hear the women crying on the street. And in all the noise and commotion that is happening, he stopped and he looked toward the women and said, why are you crying? Don't cry for me. But he was stopping for the women. Compassion. Compassion for women. You know, I have, um, I want to share here. I have a group of people that I, I rely on uh, working and prepping on sermon. And one of the group is only women. And it, that is Intentional. Because the women read gospel differently. The women read Bible differently. They have, their perspective is different. They are able uh, to see the spiritual, emotional part of what the Lord is re, uh, uh, portray, uh, relaying to us. And when I was writing to these women, one of the common themes that came out from the reply was on love and compassion. And one of the ladies was saying, it is an agreement in our family that Jesus has so much love on the cross and, and, and for the people. And the other women were saying, Jesus has value for the weaker. Weaker sex. In Silicon Valley today, we live in a place where there is no equality. One of the dark side of Silicon Valley one of the dark side of Silicon Valley that people, those who are working, in, uh, you know that one of the dark side is that you may not be able to solve the dark side of gender, issue, gender issues. And you may not be able to solve the problem of the world. And this you talk looking back, you know, looking back your shoulder, or unspoken words that you talk about, can we solve the gender issues? The dark side. Melinda Gates was saying, if we don't have women in tech space, we wouldn't even be asking ourselves some of the right questions. 
compassion on others. Jesus had compassion on people, especially the weaker ones, with children and with men. And when he was speaking from the cross and looking down on his mother and other women that were there, say, Behold your mother. He was sharing his love and compassion. In their story is our story that he loved us, that he died for us. Compassion. Do you have compassion for others? Compassion for people that are lost. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest said, We have no king but other than Caesar. We have no king other than Caesar. And Jesus had suffered violence to break the power of violence. And there are so many people that have followed the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. To bring changes in our society. To bring changes in the family. To bring changes in the country. And I want to bring up three men here. One. Right? It's uh, uh, Dr. King, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is common in them is that they're all men. What is common in them is that they're all men. What is also common in them is that they all suffered violence and died of violence. Dr. King was assassinated. Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated. The Lord Jesus Christ was assassinated, uh, was murdered and hanged. Jesus suffered violence to break the power of violence. And showing compassion is more important than simply being religious. I was talking to some of the men as I was preparing the sermon. What do you think about crucifixion? And they were saying, we could be doing the right thing all our life and not do what Jesus wants us to do. We could be doing the right thing all our life and not do, really do what Jesus wants us to do. We could be religiously coming to church. We could be religiously giving all the things that we feel God demands from us. But we may not have compassion on people. We may not have love for other people. Compassion is more important than being simply religious. So you look at your, your conviction. You look at compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why he came for us? Because he loved us. He was convicted that he is the one that should take the sins of the world. Right? And then he is also committed to it. He's committed to carrying the cross. And he's going to tell us to carry our own cross. So he carried the cross because he was convicted of his call. He carried the cross because he had compassion on us. 
And he carried the cross because he was committed to us. Joseph of uh, Arimathea asked Pilate that he might take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus died, Joseph went quietly to Pilate and said, uh, Can I take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is a great risk. Uh, Pilate also doesn't want the, the Jews to be annoyed by giving a proper barrier. And Joseph is also quietly going to get the body of Christ. And I want to add in Nicodemus here, not only Joseph went to get the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, Nicodemus also came with myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Nicodemus, the one who had gone by night to the Lord Jesus Christ to ask about how can I enter the kingdom of God. That's the guy. So both of them came. And we can see here the story of committing to the passion. Commitment to your passion and your calling. When Joseph and uh, Nicodemus went there, they were going there to risk their own lives. They were going there to risk their own lives. Not only that, when they take down the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, and when they touch the body, they have become unclean too. So what they are giving up here is that they become unclean, plus they have changed their discipleship. And the allegiance from the leadership of Jerusalem to the allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a shift in their discipleship. It's not just conviction. And it's not just conversion. Their discipleship and loyalty is now with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are declaring through their actions. They are not only declaring through their actions. They are also using their talents. uh, Their treasure. They are using their money. To show that they are going to carry the cross. By giving their wealth. By giving up their profession, willing to give up their life. You know, commitment is more important than excitement. When excitement wanes down in your life, when all the thrill of new things, even following the Lord Jesus Christ, wanes down, what is there left? And if we don't have commitment to our calling, to our passion. If we don't have commitment to what the Lord wants us to do, we will also wander away. But we can see the commitment of Joseph and Nicodemus here, that they were willing to commit with their wealth. They were willing to commit with their profession. They were willing to commit with their life because they have not only been convicted, they have not only been converted, but they have been transformed. And they followed that with showing compassion. Even though the Lord was dead, it's the heart of love and devotion and sacrifice. It's the inconvenience that they have. That they were willing to inconvenience themselves and come out. And risk their own life to bury the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in our culture today, in our valley today, how many of us are willing to inconvenience ourselves and sacrifice our time for our faith. At least to show compassion to others. 
To show that we are convicted of the call and passion that God has in life. And show that through our action, through our giving, through our wealth, through our profession. Through our profession. We talk about that Christ has come to empower the powerless. How are you carrying your cross, my brothers? Especially as a male. I want to talk about as a male because I'm also a male. We talk about the toxic masculinity. Where we are taught from a young age not to be, not to be sensitive, not to have empathy, not to have compassion. So when we have anger and frustration comes in our life, we don't know how to, we don't know how to uh, deal with that. And violence comes for us. How are we carrying our cross when we say we have compassion on other people, that we believe in justice for all, that we believe in equality? How are we living that life? If you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're an IT engineer, if you're a VP, CEO of a company, how about we carry our cross and also show compassion on women to say they are equal in the workplace? Isn't that carrying our crosses? It's a common thing among women in workplace, when they have conversation, when they have lunch and coffee, to say, oh, did he really say that? Right? Do you know what they said to Margaret today? Those conversations there. Do you know what they said to Sharon today? Or Cindy today? And they, they talk about, oh, did he really say that? Do we have compassion? On weaker sex. Do we have compassion on children? Jesus suffered the ultimate egg of injustice for the ultimate justice. How are we picking up our crosses? How are we picking up our crosses? I was talking to one of our church members on this sermon. What does crucifixion mean? And the first word that came out, the sentence that came out of his mouth was, How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty. And he, he reframed a story from the teaching in Matthew 7. When Christ was teaching on, in Matthew 7, you remember that the, not many will enter the kingdom of God. You, not many who will say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. He made a play out of that, and I want to share that with you. So, a pastor lives in a country or in a situation where if you're found guilty of preaching the gospel, following the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the sentence would be death penalty. Right? So let's say we all live in a place where if you have found following the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be, your, your sentence will be death. So this pastor is going before the judge. Very sure. Ah. I'm going to receive a death sentence. No. Did I, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not drive out demons in your name? No. The pastor came. I'm going to receive the death sentence today. Probably sad. I don't know. And he appeared before the judge. The judge looked at his life. And all the work that he has done. And he said... You're free to leave. 
And pastor's thinking, what's going on? And the judge said, I see no connection with Christ, with your life and your work. You're free to go. That story hit me. You know? Because the essence of the cross is sacrificial love for others. The essence of the cross is sacrificial love for others. And how do people know that you have sacrificial love from them? It's through your conviction, which is your character. How do you know that people, you have sacrificial love for It's through your compassion. And it's through your commitment. Okay? Because we will be known by our fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. So how are we picking up our crosses? What does the cross mean to you in today's world? Here in this church, here in Silicon Valley. Christ picked up his cross because he was convicted of his calling that he should die for all. Christ picked up his cross because he has compassion for everyone. Young, old, black, white, brown, any color, any skin. Christ picked up the cross. He was committed to the cost of the kingdom of God. That we should have eternal life and spend eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said to us, you pick up your cross and follow me. What does that mean to you? How is picking up your crosses look like to you? You will know them by their fruits. Are we willing to sacrifice our time for others? In this busy culture, are you willing to take out some time for your wife? Are you willing to take out some time for your husband? Are you willing to take out some time for your children? Are you willing to take out some time for your friends? For your colleagues? What sacrifices are you making? If the essence of the cross is a sacrificial love for others, what sacrifices are we making in our lives? That people will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. I want to put this as a body of Christ. You can individualize it, okay? And I want to share this with you. A church cannot evolve, no matter how much power this power is guaranteed, when the leaders and members are more focused on others than their own beliefs, faiths, and values. This cross guarantees us so much power. This cross guarantees so much power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power. It guarantees us so much power. But if you are looking at others, if you are looking at others and not yourself, not working on your own values, on your own beliefs and your faith, and how to avail what God has given us, You will not evolve. We will not evolve. Transformation will not happen. Transformation only happens when we look within. Within us. And for Christ, He showed us by His example. In the face of of power, 
violence, injustice. He renounced power. He suffered violence. He suffered injustice. So that we can have justice. So that we can be empowered. And he did that because he was convicted of his call. He did that because he has compassion on us. He did that because he was committed to the will of God. Are we convicted of God's call? Are we having compassion on others? And are we committed to the church of Christ and to the body of Christ? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. For Joseph, because John 19 ended with Joseph and Nicodemus. And this is what here it's written here. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews, while Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body and two of them wrapped it with the spices in the strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. They carried their cross by using their wealth, risking their lives and risking their profession and changing their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. What they are saying is when they're handling the body of Christ, they are saying you are the Passover lamb, not participating in the Passover, but Christ has become the Passover lamb. It's a total flip. Are we willing to do that? What is... God challenging you this morning. What crosses is he asking you to pick up? Let me not give you the prescription. But let the Holy Spirit give you the prescription on why you should pick up your cross and follow him. And what that cross looks like to you. Can we stand together?